Okay, Jam, for this month's re-release, we are going to keep up with our food theme and also our fun summertime treat theme. Okay. I want us to go back in time and think about carbonated water. Oh, man, that's way back. Way back in time. I think it's like January 2020 times. Uh Uh-huh. So in the before times, even. (laughs) The before times. And at that time, my brother had asked about the taste of carbonated water. And carbonated water is one of my favorite drinks. Totally. Me too. And we're both kind of obsessed with it. And both our spouses too. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that episode so much. And I've actually talked about it with people in real life and conversations at lunches, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So many times. It really works its way into conversations really well. So I, I love this episode. Great. So I hope you all enjoy our food summer theme as we talk about carbonated water. And you can share some carbonated water with your popcorn to stay on theme from last week. <laughs> movie movie night. Yeah, movie <laughs> night. And happy listening. Happy listening. Hey, chemistry. Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast that helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing really great. I'm drinking coffee. I'm loving it. And it's great. Ready to to live and learn. (laughs) Yeah, live, laugh, learn, love, drink coffee. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I'm excited for today's topic. I, I think usually I am. Yeah. But... This week, I had a really hard time coming up with the topic because it was so hard to follow up this super exciting episode with Renee. Yeah, that's true. It was very hard to decide, but I finally was like, well, a lot of people, my brother, my roommate, a few other people in passing, I can't remember, specifically asked about carbonated sodas, carbonated water beverages. Uh I was like, I'll do this. I kind of know it already. It'll be good enough, whatever. Yeah. And then when I started looking into it, it got crazy. It took twists. It took turns. There's a familial (laughs) element that blew my mind. It was so fun. Uh So now I'm really excited. And I think this is the perfect follow-up episode to Renee. Nice. Excellent. That's very good. We might have caused ourselves a problem by having such a cool episode. Like maybe in the future, we should think twice about having really cool (laughs) episodes because we might have a hard time following them up. With other episodes. I agree. So, Especially because I'm the one that has to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's tough. It's You, you, you just carry it. <laughs> yep. Okay. So let's get started. I love Spindrift. Uh-huh. It's a type of sparkling water. Yes. I'm familiar. And I know how much you love it. I love it so you, much. You, you kind of can't not tell people about it. I can't not tell people about it. I'm so excited about it. It's fresh fruit squeezed into sparkling water. You know this, but the people at home might not. Yeah. And it's so flavorful and delicious and it doesn't have any of the weird chemically aftertaste that other quote lemon flavored sodas that are made with no lemon juice do. Right. And you can tell that it's real fruit juice because it has like two or three calories per can instead of being mysteriously zero calories, even (laughs) though it has a flavor. Yeah. Things I'm suspicious of. Right. Include that. So I love it. It's just sparkling water with fruit juice. And I was going on and on about how much I love it. Mm -hmm. And my brother said, listen, I know it's just air. I don't know how to explain it, but I think carbonated water has a bad taste. And I said, you're right. It does have a bad taste Uh because there's a chemical reaction happening. 
Well, it's not a bad taste. I mean, I guess you could say oh, yes. you might think it's bad. Right. It has a taste. It does have a taste. And some yes. people like it, some people do not. Some people like it, some people do not. I love it. Me too. In the right context with the right stuff in it. Yeah. So I said, you're right. There's CO2 dissolved in water. And we talked about on the baking soda and baking powder episode, Mm -hmm. how when carbonic acid breaks up, it breaks into CO2 and H2O. Uh That is actually what's known as a reversible reaction. Uh So the opposite can happen where CO2 and H2O come together to make carbonic acid. So there's a little bit of that carbonic acid flavor in your drink. Okay. My brother was amazed. Yeah. He was like, seriously? (laughs) And I had learned that in college a long time ago and it was buried so far back and I just kind of think everyone knew it or thought everyone knew it. Buried under a pile of other things you've learned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's it. This That's how soda water works. Uh And he said, you have to do an episode on that. Yeah. Because that's amazing. I mean, he's, he was so frustrated for so long uh-huh. because he said it's illogical for air to have a flavor. So, yeah, you know, right. He knew just, just enough to be frustrated. Right. Like I think most people don't think about it. They either like it or they don't, mm-hmm. but they're not like, why does it taste like this? You yes. Know? He was like, it's just water and air. It shouldn't taste any different, but it does. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's not water and empty air. It's water and CO2. One good thing I think is that if Spindrift ever decides to sponsor our podcast, we could just basically take the f- most of what you said at the beginning of this and just use it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Fade it right into a really nice <laughs> ad for them. Spindrift, if you're out there, if you're listening, please sponsor us. We love you. And we'll say what we already said or we'll say whatever you want. <laughs> so that was that. That's basically the reverse reaction of the CO2 okay. and water happening. Man, it's been a while since we did that episode too. I'm going to have to think really, through it. Yeah, mm-hmm. remember stuff. Well, and the reason it can happen reversibly is because there's something known as equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Where really molecules are moving around so much that it's not like this plus this A plus B just equals C. Mm-hmm. A lot of times A plus B equals C and then C is breaking back up into A plus B and then A plus B is reforming. It kind of just goes back and forth as the molecules move around and mm-hmm. energy is put in and given off. So usually reactions will favor one side or the other. They'll tend to go more one direction than the other. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. That doesn't really matter, but just know that that reaction is reversible. And we talked about it already. Mm-hmm. The atoms in carbonic acid can break up and rearrange to form CO2 and H2O in the same way that CO2 and H2O can combine to form carbonic acid. Okay. It's just a reversible reaction. Okay. Okay. So that's the first part. Okay. That's all I thought there was. Uh-huh. I learned that in college. But I always check my facts before I come in to do an episode. Yeah. So I was pulling up some stuff to basically confirm what I already knew. Uh-huh. And I discovered that a few months after I graduated college, a new paper came out uh-huh. with a new finding that told me that CO2 detection was totally different than anything I thought. 
Really? It was amazing. <laughs> Wait, CO2, you said CO2 detection? CO2 detection on our tongue oh. was way more complicated than I ever thought. Interesting. Okay. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Buckle up. I'm so <laughs> excited. <laughs> it was like, oh, science is still working. Since I left college, new things have come out. Yeah. I've never revisited this since I got to grad school because there's not really a point. Yeah. But my mind was blown. Yeah, that's cool. And it also makes it more fun for you in this case. You're not just so recycling. Much more fun. Yeah. Not just recycling old info. You're getting to like kind of share new info with everybody. Yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. I, before I like we go into the new part though, do uh, you want to kind of give a brief overview of what I just said? So like in the baking soda, baking powder episode, in that case, it was that there is acid and it breaks apart into H2O and CO2. Mm-hmm. And in the case of sodas, what you had learned, carbonated water, mm-hmm. what you had learned a while ago and it kept in your memory was that it's basically the same thing in reverse, that it is what happens when H2O and CO2 are together, that they form that same type of acid. You said it's carbonic acid? Right. Okay. So it's like either direction. Mm-hmm. The acid's there and then it can break apart into those two things right. or those two things are together and they can combine to create that acid. Right. Okay. Got it. And so that is the CO2 comes from, they pump CO2 into water to make it carbonated, uh-huh. store it under pressure, but it can react with water to make the carbonic acid. What's so weird to me? I mean, maybe this is not going to seem weird in a second. I've just never really thought about it, but how can you just like force some gas into some liquid? Well, actually gas is more soluble when liquid is cold uh-huh. and when it's under pressure. So that's why we keep our drinks in the fridge with the lid on cold and under pressure. Yeah. So it's soluble under those conditions. And actually I suspect, but have never confirmed mm-hmm. that bottles uh, like a bottle of Dr. Pepper can hold a little bit more pressure than a can of Dr. Pepper can, because I don't like how fizzy the bottles are compared to they can. Interesting. I've uh, never confirmed that, but I think they just keep it under higher pressure. I've never noticed that difference, but I haven't really thought about it. But I guess it they're definitely different materials. I mean, very, mm-hmm. very different. So that might make sense. But that is so weird. Yeah. Just forcing some gas into some liquid into a container. I planned to look into how they did that manufacturer-wise, and I never got around to it. I think it's going to have to be another episode because yeah. this by itself is pretty complex. Okay. So potentially part one. But right. even so, on its own, its own important topic. Right. Okay. So that's, you've got a good handle on the basics. It's the reverse reaction that acid forms when the carb- carbonation, the CO2 that's dissolved in the water to make our drinks fizzy sometimes has a little bit of a reaction to make carbonic acid. Okay. We can put the pictures up of the atoms rearranging the same way we did for the baking soda, baking powder episode. Okay. So here's the new thing that came out. I'm so excited about this. What they found was we are not just experiencing bubbles bursting and tasting a little bit of acid on our tongue when we drink fizzy drinks. Uh What's actually happening is there is a CO2 receptor on our tongue Uh that senses the CO2. It's an enzyme called... Carbonic anhydrase 4, 
Uh for those who want to know. It's attached to the sour receptors on our tongue, sort of like a little flag waving around. And when the CO2 comes, it breaks it down into carbonic acid along with water. So there is the sour taste. But also, there's a sensory message that's activated that feels like bubbles on our tongue. And this whole time, I thought I was feeling bubbles on my tongue. But if you drink carbonated beverages in a pressure chamber where the bubbles cannot burst, you still experience the same fizzy sensation. Huh. And our our tongues are what's sort of making the acid come about as well. Yes. Like you said that first and that was, is surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like if that wasn't happening on our tongue, that enzyme wasn't doing what yes. it's doing, that it might not taste that way. Yes. And then we also wouldn't feel the bubbles. Yes. Huh. Isn't that crazy? What the heck? I know. It's like a twofold... First of all, there's more acid sour taste than there would be because of the Uh CO2 detectors on our tongue or enzymes on our tongue. And second of all, that feeling is a sensory response to the chemical, not necessarily the actual feeling of bubbly water. Yeah. Isn't that mind blowing? That's so weird. It just, I've never thought about it, but I mean, I guess, yeah, what would bubbly water. I mean, we see the bubbles in mm-hmm. the carbonated water or in the soda or in the whatever it is. Right. And it is kind of weird to think that we would feel those at all in the first place. Right. Like what would, what it would even feel like? What right. we feel is pretty strong. Yep. It doesn't really feel like a bubble. I know. And I was trying to envision if I poured it over my hand, does it feel like fizzy water? Yeah. And I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. My mind was blown. So. Okay. I'm here. To officially apologize to my brother (laughs) because I spread old information and I was wrong Uh and he was right. Carbonation itself, the CO2 has a flavor Yeah, and I was wrong. It has a sensory response in our tongues and I was wrong. It's not just the acid in the water. There's more to it. Yeah. So I'm here to formally apologize and admit I was wrong to my brother (laughs) on a public forum. (laughs) That's that's crazy. Something so simple. I mean... I'm not really sure how they found out about carbonated water or whatever. Well, I can tell you about it. Oh. Are you ready for that? Yeah, let's just do that instead of what I was going to say. It was just <laughs> another version of, wow, it's crazy. Wow, everything about the world is, is mind-blowing to me because I don't know anything. <laughs> well, I can tell you one who invented carbonated water and I can tell you two. Yes. How they figured this particular thing out. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so the person who invented carbonated water is a relative of someone you and I know. Hmm. No, wait, wait. You and I know them personally. Our listeners do not. Most of them, probably. A relative of someone you and I know personally? hmm No. Yes. Our good friend, Autumn Priestley. Uh-huh. Went to UNT with you. She and I worked together at our church for a few years. Uh-huh. Autumn Priestley's great, great, great uncle, someone we personally know's great, great, great uncle, uh-huh. was a famous chemist named Joseph Priestley, and he invented carbonated water as a misguided attempt to fix scurvy. What? Yeah, it didn't fix scurvy because scurvy is a vitamin C deficiency, but isn't that so cool? Yes. What? So Autumn, Autumn, thank you so much <laughs> to your 
great, great, great uncle or whatever. I know. In 1767, I think. That is so crazy. So he was trying to solve a, a very real problem. Yes. Do we know what like tools he had at his disposal that nope. ended up causing that initial Didn't version? Didn't look into any of that. Just freaked out that I knew yeah. that person's descendant and that was it. What if he like, like caught a lot of CO2 in his mouth and then like just blew it really hard into like a bottle that had the, or a jar or whatever that had the water in it. And what if it was just like a little fizzy? He was like, <laughs> huh. I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. Maybe. It could have been that. Maybe someone who likes the science history can go look into how Joseph Priestley came up with that. I uh -huh. did not have time to do it. And the semester starts tomorrow. So, so that's the first crazy part. Okay. Second crazy part is the way that the scientists did it. I'm not sure. I was kind of confused on how exactly they figured out that they should do this. Uh -huh. And I cite the original article in our resources that where they discovered this in 2009. Mm -hmm. But first they inhibited the CO2 enzyme. So somehow they detected the CO2 enzyme. First they inhibited it. Yeah. And noted that no other flavors were inhibited. So you could still taste sour, sweet, all those things. Yeah. The flavor of fruit flavor, whatever it is, right. that's part of the thing you're drinking. Regardless of the fact that the CO2 enzymes are blocked. So that's awesome that they could do that. Right. Like, whoa. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that they did, uh -huh. they did these tests on mice because mice have a very similar taste palette that we do. Mm -hmm. And they basically genetically engineered mice to not have sour receptors at all. Uh huh. And the mice that didn't have sour receptors also did not have CO2 detection abilities. Uh-huh. So the CO2 functions independently of the sour receptors because they could still taste sour when CO2 was inhibited, but it's directly attached to the sour receptors because if the sour receptors are gone, mm -hmm. so is the ability to detect CO2. Interesting. So one article I read described it like the CO2 enzyme is a flag on the sour receptors almost. Uh -huh. So they are kind of one, even though they do different things to some degree. Like we obviously taste sour even when it's not carbonated or whatever. Right. But they are one thing, sort of. Sort of. It's like attached. Yeah. So if you don't have sour receptors, you don't have a CO2 detector. But if you inhibit your CO2 detector, you can still taste sour things. Interesting. So weird, right? That's really weird. Mm-hmm. What? My mind was blown. I was so excited. <laughs> so would all of the things, say they did it to a human instead of a mouse, uh, we can't really ask them, the mice how they feel about it. What would it feel like to drink a soda Would it or carbonated water? Would it just taste a little funky, but just be like flat? I mean, we've all experienced a flat right. soda. Right. And it, I mean, I guess you could say that other tastes are the same, but it is like. There might be a slight less sourness to it. Okay, less sourness. Because part of the sourness, as we learned, was the enzyme breaking down the CO2. Or the sourness is weird. Like, have you let a, a, a like a carbonated water that has a little bit of fruit flavor go flat? No. It tastes like, yeah, it just tastes weird. I think they probably balance it for the sour in the gas in addition uh -huh. to the sour that naturally forms in the soda. Mm -hmm. So when part of that equation is gone, the other flavors get out of the yeah. balance, sort of. To our tongue. Right. And our our experience of drinking them is so tied to the feel as well. Right. Even if it actually does taste the same technically. Right. If you could prove that, it obviously feels so different that it doesn't really matter. Obviously, we like yeah. that feel. We're That's missing we the... Go for it. 
They called it a somatosensory cell. So we're missing the activation of the somatosensory cell that gives us the sensation of the bubbles. Wow. So we need both. Yeah. You're activating both your somatosensory receptor and you're activating your sour receptor at the Uh same time. You're getting the taste and the feel. And the feel is part of that signaling reaction from the enzyme being broken down. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's really crazy. Do you want to try to explain it back to me? Yeah, I'll try my best. I'm a little bit in awe and also like so confused because I don't know much about the tongue in general. So it's like all this is totally new to me. It took me a second. I had to reread a few times. (laughs) I was amazed. And then I read an interview with one of the people who wrote the paper and Uh that gave a little more information. So it was very interesting. I had so much fun researching this. (laughs) Okay, so back... In the Wild West, um, Dr. Pepper and Billy the Kid were, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so I, okay, so carbonated things mm-hmm. have the acid already in it, the carbonic acid is already in it? It can just form as a byproduct of CO2 and water reacting. Okay. So, so there can be some already in it. Because it's already reacting, we're seeing that right by the bubbles like happening? The bubbles happening are just the CO2 that's dissolved as they come out of solution. Okay. So that's not a reaction. It's just that it's there. So we take a sip. We have a part of our tongue that's not just our sour receptor area, but also mm-hmm. the, what did you call that? The CO2 enzyme. Enzyme. CO2 it's, enzyme. The official name is carbonic anhydrase 4. Okay. We have that. Uh-huh. It's just attached to our sour receptors. Right. And while we're tasting what we're drinking. Yes. Also, the enzyme is affecting the thing that we're drinking. Mm-hmm. To where it... Oh, gosh. <laughs> it is reacting or right and making more of the carbonic acid that's a great way to put it okay it's basically like the enzyme helps the formation of carbonic acid which is protons basically i mean that's not super important for people to know it just gives Uh us that acidic flavor okay and so that's happening while it's going across our tongues right and so we're tasting it and we're and and it's changing while it's going across yes and we're feeling it because yes. while that's happening, a feel happens, the bubble feeling happens mm-hmm. as a result of the enzyme doing its deal. Yes. So it seems like when they break down that CO2, uh-huh. the enzyme is activating not just a sour receptor, but mm-hmm. also a somatosensory cell or almost like a feeling cell. So mm-hmm. it gives us the bubbly sensation. Okay. Somatosensory. Now that makes sense. The sensory part. I see what you're saying now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man, that is so crazy. Isn't it? Yes. I I really, this is almost exactly like the Onions episode for mm-hmm. me because I went into this. Oh, yeah. yeah very yeah. confident. I was like, I know what happens. You put carbonation in yeah. water and a little bit of acid happens Bada just bing. naturally and we can kind of taste it. And yeah. it's like, no, actually our tongue can break down CO2. Yeah. It's crazy. That is so crazy. Yeah. Anyone out there who doesn't like carbonated stuff or has never had it, this is totally boring for you guys. <laughs> so sorry. 
Maybe you'll maybe you'll be interested now though. And go check out, go get a spin drift. <laughs> I do know some people who, who aren't super into carbonated stuff. I don't know My what brother, the deal is. He hates it. He hates all of it. He he did like soda, but I think no, that's all the other sugar and stuff in there. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I have a friend who doesn't like anything carbonated no matter what. It doesn't really have like a, oh, it's not good for you or whatever. He just doesn't like it. I wonder if those people have more of the CO2 detectors. Boom. I also used to have a boss who used to like carbonated stuff. And has mm-hmm. a medicine that she's pretty convinced makes, has an effect on the taste of carbonated stuff, which maybe is affecting though this somatosensory thing or maybe affecting the enzyme. I don't know. Dang, that's crazy. Oh, I was going to say that at the end of this article, the scientist spent a little bit of time speculating on why mammals have CO2 sensing. Uh-huh. Like, why do we have this on our tongue? Yeah. And they don't obviously, or didn't in 2009, have a clear answer for it. But they felt it could have evolved as a mechanism to maybe recognize CO2 in food that's decomposing or fermenting that's not safe to eat. Got it. Or it could be that that enzyme is there basically to produce the acid to keep the pH balance right around the taste buds. Uh And we just detect CO2 almost as a byproduct that doesn't matter. It's not about trying to taste it. It's about trying to fulfill another very important function of our bodies. Right. That's what they suspected. So uh, I should say pH is just the right amount of acid base balance. Yeah. So that's what they suspected. It was either something that was evolved to help protect us, or maybe it's something that keeps the tongue mm-hmm. where it needs to be kind of. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? Man, that's really cool. I love trying to, spe- I mean, I obviously I know it's speculation. We can't, probably really prove it very easily because right. it's not like we have a lot of humans from every period of like change yeah. <laughs> to yeah. really observe, but that's pretty cool. And I think some of those things are c- kind of intuitive. You're like, well, not eating spoiled food. That seems like a really good thing for our bodies to, to try to have some, something to fight right. against or just keeping our, our, we know that like homeostasis, right? Like our body's trying to do that in a lot of ways right. constantly. Yeah. So just trying to keep the pH right of our tongues seems like it makes sense. So yeah. it's like, that's cool. It's so fun. I love the things I've learned for this show. And I, and I love when I end up being wrong about something. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. It's such a fun experience. That is not what most people would say, but, <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Okay. So that's pretty much everything. Thanks for coming and learning and caring about carbonation. Anytime. I already love it. So now I just know more about it and love it even more. <laughs> yeah. Now you can think about this the next time you're drinking your fizz- fizzy drinks. Okay. So do you want to say something that made you happy this week? I do. I would love to. So, so I already talked about seeing my family. That was a happy thing. I think for the past, the previous time, maybe right. something like yeah. that. A few weeks ago. So what I'm going to share about is that I, of what I got for <laughs> from them. So they all um, chipped in together to get me a new coffee grinder, which oh I've really gosh, been wanting. Yeah. I've had the same coffee grinder. I mean, I'm way into coffee. And so slowly improving one's coffee setup is kind yeah. of the name of the game yeah. across time. And the grinder, which I think could have a way of like translating into chemistry, is so important because yeah. it's one of the first steps before anything else happens. Not other than just getting coffee, you know, right? grinding the coffee and the particle size and having good options and consistency in yeah. it makes a huge difference. And wow. so I'm really excited. I'm going from the ability to, to grind 16 different levels of coarseness, fineness and coarseness to now being able to grind 40 different wow. ones. So I'm, I can be way more specific 
And so I'm really excited about that. And that was super, super cool of my family. And that I love super, super cool getting to hang with them. And I love the grinder. Jim is a scientific person in his own right regarding his coffee, but don't worry. We are planning on doing a series on coffee. It is oft requested. We hear you, but we want to give it the time and space to do it just right. And I also want to happen so, so badly of all the things that we could talk about. I want coffee to, to happen. We're not going to just do it halfway. We're going to try to do the best we can do with yeah, it. It's a worthy topic. I, even I'm, I, I obviously feel that way. I think it's going to so. have to be a multi-part, yeah. like month long series about coffee or That'd something. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I mean, everybody cares about coffee, even if not everybody likes coffee the same way. Right. We all have some, you know, coffee's in all of our lives, whether we like it or not. That's true. <laughs> so. Even when I didn't like coffee, I loved how it smelled. Yeah. Okay. One really cool thing that I did uh-huh. that I love so much on January 1st, uh-huh. I went with my dad to the Winter Classic. Uh-huh. So that is an outdoor hockey game that they, the NHL puts on once a year and it can be anywhere. Yes. Interesting. And it can be anywhere, any team. Usually it's in the North and mm-hmm. it's some really traditional hockey team. So this is go ahead and do it at a, at a pond that's already frozen. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That kind of thing. No, they do regulation ice, but this year they did it in Dallas, which is the furthest South it has ever been. Whoa. And Everything went so well. I had such a fun time with my dad Uh and it it was like, oh, this is a moment of sports history. There was the second largest crowd the NHL has ever had Uh at any game ever. And it was so fun to be there with so many people who were excited about the same thing you were. And it just was a shared sense of camaraderie that was really enjoyable. And it was such a good day with my dad. Just all day, all we did was hockey and hang out and ride the train there and yeah. they opened the fairgrounds. So we got to do a Foster's corn dog. I'd never had one before. Oh, nice. It was so fun. And then I went home and was in bed by 7 PM. So wow, <laughs> it was kind of a perfect day. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So I think I got in bed that early cause I ended up being sick, but uh, it was, I didn't dog. know it yet then. So <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun and just a really special time with my dad. So that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's it for this week for me. So Melissa and I have a lot of ideas for topics of chemistry in everyday life, just like carbonation. So we want to hear from you. If you have questions or ideas, you can reach out to us on Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at chem for your life. That's chem F O R your life to share thoughts and ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like it, you can write a review on Apple podcasts that helps us to be able to share chemistry with even more people. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to the cost of making it, Go to ko-fi.com slash chemforyourlife and donate the cost of a cup of coffee. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this episode can be found in our show notes and on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to S. Flint, who reviewed this episode. Mm-hmm.